I'm Chris from Play Comics, a show where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material, a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other astonishingly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven, Chris, and SP. Welcome to an all-new episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. After a week off, I even forgot to turn on my mic flag. I'm Steven Jonger, and I am pleased to say Chris Farrell's here this week. Howdy doody, fellas. Also joining us is none other than Stargate Pioneer. Hey, welcome to the show for the first time, SP. Thank you. Thank you very much. And remember, it is starring SP. It's That's special star of the show, SP. So starring like Ringo Starr? Is that what you're saying? No, like special star. You know, like Daniel Jackson in Stargate, he was always starring after everybody else. He wanted his own little... You know, I'm the headliner from the ep- for the episode. Uh, I vote that's not the case, Chris. How about you? I abstain courteously. <laughs> well, we know you don't pay Chris. You know you do pay me. So Besides, therefore, I am the wait, star wait, of the show. Wait, 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 Hold on. Wait, Let's just clarify. Wait. You got married last year. We know that you abstain. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys have been abstaining for a lot longer than I have. <laughs> we warned you. We warned you. All right, we're here with another episode of the Gonna Geek Show where we're going to talk about a bunch of news, but I need to get something off my chest that I read about 20 minutes ago that is like the epitome of the ridiculous that is the decisions being made over in the CW-verse right now, over in the Flareoverse. It's insane. I read about, like I said, 20 minutes ago that... The elongated man over on The Flash is not gone for sure. If you didn't know this, the person that played Ralph Dibney, a.k.a. the elongated man, is gone. He was let go from the show for various reasons. And apparently the showrunner today said that the elongated man is not actually gone for sure. What they're saying is that I'm not saying by any means that it's the end of the character. In fact, quite the opposite. We just don't know when he will return or in what form he will return. There you go. Basically, they're going to do a recasting of the character and probably do a joking nod. So you're going to do this with like a third fiddle BS character, but you set up an entire bloody television show over on Batwoman focused around one character and you won't recast that different showrunners dude right they have different plans for what they want to do don't tell me whoever's pulling the strings at the top there doesn't have an influence in one way or another in that big decision steven story-wise you can make it happen because the nature of the elongated man's powers you could argue he's doing something (sighs) that changes appearance for some reason i know i know and that's totally solved what they'll do like how they did on legends tomorrow with what's her face uh that what was her name? The one that was recast as Charlie. Anyways, where it was like Maisie Richardson Sellers. Yeah, thank you. It was. Um, anyways, it's BS. Somebody had had was pulling the strings in the whole Batwoman scenario, and I think that's horse. You know what? And they they should have just recast. Anyways, I'm so mad about Batwoman. 
because I wasted an entire season on some character that is gone. It makes me happy. I never started it. My anger is gone. You know, after I I poured my heart out on the last Starling Tribune, I I'm okay. I I'm good. I can live without the CW Arrowverse. So when you say you poured it out, like you took your heart, you put it in a blender. And then you like poured out that blender. Is that what you're it saying? It kind of felt like that. You know, the last season, it was a give and a go. Best Schwartz, I really have to hand it to Best Schwartz. She was handed a bunch of crap and she did the best she could. I would have Best Schwartz run any show out there that I had a position for a showrunner. That's how strong I feel about her. And still with that between Arrow and the rest of the Arrowverse after Crisis, the CW is, yeah, you're going to get me started on something I didn't want to get started. I am good with whatever happens because I'm not going to watch it. I know there's one person that you would take over best Wars, Kathleen Kennedy. I think it just threw up. <gasps> P- pushing those buttons. <sighs> Different thing, though. I mean, CW, Arrowverse, that's one thing that, okay, just let it go. Star Wars, on the other hand. Uh, I still have something for that. Who was the show rent runner that tanked Arrow before Best Wars? Mark Guggenheim. I thought there was a different one that you ragged on all the time. Mm. Mark Guggenheim. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Chris Farrell, anything you want to say before we actually go into the news? No, I got nothing. I don't watch this stuff anymore. Well, you're you don't missing watch Star Wars out. anymore. You're missing out on poor, poor you, plot no, lines. You there's, watch Mandalorian. There's no new Star Wars right now for me to watch. So technically, no. Until Mandalorian season two comes and out, and then I will consume that like the uh, Star Wars sycophant that I am at many times. You watch lots of nude Star Wars. That's what you said, right? What? Oh, you knew Star Wars. I misheard that. I apologize. Oh boy. All right, let's move on to the news. The news. I said news. The nudes. <laughs> Let's start off here with the Snyder Cut. Since we're already getting mad about things, let's just roll right into that one. Uh, This past week was a DC event that uh, was, I gotta say, a little bit successful. Uh, There was a lot of good things that, a lot of good buzz that came out of it. It was really like the first virtual event that I've seen in a while that actually got some good buzz behind it. Uh, And so credit, I'll give credit where credit's due on that. But there was, and there was an update on the Snyder Cut of the Justice League movie. So if you didn't remember this, that there was a whole different version of the Justice League film that came out to the theaters because originally Zack Snyder was the one that was directing it, but he had some things that came up and Joss Whedon had to step in in order to finish it off and apparently drastically changed it. And for a long time, people were saying, we want the Snyder Cut. We want it. We want to have it in front of us so that we can see what Snyder's original vision was. Apparently, it was far better, and that's why the Justice League sucked. And that's the summary of pretty much everybody that said that they wanted the Snyder Cut. That's exactly how they sounded. Well, the, no, they were a lot whinier. It's right. I probably should have been whinier. You're, you're, cor- mm-hmm. you're correct. I, I do stand corrected. However, with You're that, not standing. I sit corrected. Okay. Is that better? Okay. Yes. So, so with, Much. That, with that said, the news came out over the weekend that the Snyder Cut will be coming out as a four 
our four-part series. Yes, it's going to be four different parts. And then at the end, they will bundle it together if you're looking for it all at once. Of course, this is going to be on HBO Max, which I think we're finally paring down the name, so we're safe to say HBO Max. And you will hopefully be able to see that. I think it was 2021. You're not safe to say HBO Max if you only have a Roku. Oh, okay. That's fair. But it is going to be out on uh, in 2021, we think. There was no specific information on whether the four parts will be delivered together quickly, whether they'll be spaced out. There were, it was a little I thought vi- it was a week each for each episode. Uh, okay, I don't know. I'll defer to you, but when I had first seen this, they, they weren't sure. So I don't know um, if that was confirmed. But in any case, it's going to be four different parts. So when I look at that, I say to myself, well, that can't be Snyder's original cut because there's no chance that it was a four-hour movie in the theaters as well. It was not going to be four individual parts. And if they're building it as four different parts, then it will be crafted in a way that it's not just like lobbed off here. It's going to be four individual parts. So this is not the Snyder cut that everybody was campaigning for. And obviously he's getting more time to tell the story than would have been in a theatrical release. So this Snyder cut ends up just being a second crack for Snyder is the way I'm looking at it here, because really he's seen what went wrong. He has more footage that's being, that's being um, put out there and it's being reshaped now based off of that new uh, four part series versus what would have hit the theaters. No comment, Chris? My mother said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And that's how I feel about the Snyder cut. And generally, Zack Snyder is a filmmaker. You know what, though? Uh, the fact that this coming out cuts. So that's, that's the cut part of the Zack Snyder cut. Look, all right. So I took a shot there a little bit. It's tragic. The reason Zack Snyder was no longer involved in the Justice League movie. That's sad. So that being said, still not a fan of most of his movies. I don't think he understands Superman whatsoever. I've had this debate many times on this show, other podcasts I've been on. I think Zack Snyder makes pretty movies, but not good movies. I have no interest in the Snyder Cut. I honestly hope that it's just average at best when it comes out because I want to see all the Snyder Cut, especially the people that were really whiny about wanting a Snyder Cut. There are some that were legitimately like, I'm curious what he wanted to do. But the vast majority that were online whining about I want a Snyder Cut all the time, I want to see how they spin it when the Snyder Cut comes out and it's average at best. I want to see what they say there because it's going to be hella entertaining to me. I I don't care. Zack Snyder as a filmmaker is not a draw to me. I'm glad he gets to finish what his vision of the movie was, but I'm tired of him taking shots at Joss Whedon. I'm tired of him taking shots at people that didn't care for it. Or what was the one tweet I found? So there was one that came out The trailer leaked early, for those that aren't aware. It leaked like four hours before the movie came out. And some people made some comments saying, well, it looks like it's just a lot of deleted scenes. And he tweeted to a film reviewer and said, you said you enjoyed the theatrical cut of Justice League like you enjoy your Saturday morning cartoons. Well, this is made for grownups, so you're not in the demographic. F you. Yeah. These These are comic books and cartoons. And Batman, the animated series, is better than any of the content he's put out in the DC universe. Batman Mask of the Phantasm is a is probably the best Batman movie that's ever been made. Although Batman Beyond Return of the Joker has an argument in there too. 
I just don't like how he comes off on all of this. I don't care for his movies, so I don't care about the Snyder Cut. I'm, I'm glad some people do. I'm glad they're excited for it. This is not something that makes me go, oh my God, I have to have HBO Max. I'm not going to watch it. I don't care. I have to say, I, w- I have said on the show that I would watch it because I was curious, the original version, and for the same reason that I compared the for some reason, watched it twice. The Batman v Superman versions, because I watched one is one is the extended, one is the regular, and I was I because I was curious, like I I wanted to see what the difference was, and the extended did make a difference, but I was curious because of that. But I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna watch it because like if it shows up on you know one of my subscription services if somewhere up here in Canada gets the licenses, then I'll watch it or whatever. I'm not gonna seek it out, but I was wanting. Like, I was almost wanting to see it when it was going to be the version that he had envisioned for the theaters because I was curious, like, the theatrical difference, what we would have got. But now it's just, like, a second version. Like, it's a different version. And so now it's, to me, it's apples to oranges. And so now my my curiosity is less. This sets a terrible precedent, which I've said before on this show, I think, which is people whined long enough that a pandemic happened, they needed more content. So DC said, and Warner Brothers said, we're going to make this. What's the next thing people are going to whine about? Are we going to get the JJ cut of uh, Star Wars Episode Nine that's been rumored to be out oh, there? Oh, don't Or the even. George Lucas cut? No, I'm not even kidding, though. It's going but that, to. That's the problem. The precedent is set here that if, if I complain loud enough about a movie I don't like, they're going to release another cut of it. So what's canon then? What's, what's the real movie? Can I just I, I, say that if someone wants a certain cut of this podcast, the show here, it's going to be easy for me because it's just going to be they don't want any of us. So it'll just be a blank screen for 60 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> it's 2020. Get this, guys. Zack Snyder, Michael Bay, J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy are inviting you for Thanksgiving. And I don't care if it's real or fake Thanksgiving. You going to go? No. Yes. Why? <laughs> because I like I like Bro, show content. I don't know. I'm not sure. No, I I would I wouldn't go because I wouldn't know what to say to them first off. Uh and I don't know that I could choose between the insults. Uh, but I I just <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Michael Bay knows what he is. He's a oh, popcorn oh, flick okay. maker. And Th- that's I, I understand fair. that. He's found a niche that works for him. I enjoy his movies for what they are. Zack Snyder doesn't know what he is. <laughs> I, I no longer, I don't think I ever enjoyed a Michael Bay movie to the level that I, I probably should have. I think the four of them have ruined a lot of geekdom. I mean, each in their own way has advanced things a little bit, but I think it could have been done better, far better. And hopefully the next generation will, because those four have royally screwed up a lot. Don't you let them get their hands on Star Trek The Next Generation, okay? I'm assuming that's what you meant by The Next Generation? Well, J.J. Uh, Abrams has already had his hand in that. The best Star Trek movie of the reboots was the one that he didn't do, by the way. Justin Lin did a better job with Star Trek than J.J. Abrams did. For sure. I, 100%. Yeah. Fast and Furious and Star Trek was awesome. Yeah. It was fun. It was exactly what it needed yeah. to be, which was a fun popcorn adventure flick that advanced the fact that all of these characters liked each other and were a weird family in space. Mm-hmm. Exactly what it needed to be. As far as this four-hour cut, I'm not going to watch it. I have better things to do with my four hours, even in this pandemic where all I'm, I'm relegated to watching 20 and 30-year-old VHS tapes one last time. <laughs> well, 
We got Netflix. You can always find content on there. That's how I look at it. But I don't know. Eventually, you can run out of content on Netflix, too. It's but you okay. see, I've never watched Lucifer, and I just started watching that, and that was a okay. mistake to have not been watching it. And I got five seasons now. <laughs> and we know, SP, that when you are looking for little DC love, you just curl up and watch Suicide Squad. We know it. No. Side, I, side note. I honestly think that DC is ruined forever for me. I don't think I'm ever going to go back and watch it. Uh, JJ and uh, not JJ uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad that they showed off at this DC uh, fandom. Okay, you, that you might pretty awesome. I have not seen it, but just the fact that James Gunn is involved might entice me. I don't know, but that would be the only thing. And the cast is amazing that they brought in there because I'm like, how the hell did they get so many people here? So James Gunn that automatically makes me go, hmm, I want to watch that. And I will also admit that when the Batman trailer dropped which I did not have high hopes for. I was cautious about. I watched that and went, you know, considering they've only filmed like 25% of this movie, they cut together a really good trailer and I want to see what they're going to do. So honestly, I think that everything that was coming out of fandom was mostly positive. The only thing I kind of was met mm. on or even negative was the Snyder cut. There's a lot of cool stuff well, coming here's from the, DC Comics. Here's the problem with getting involved in DC. So the two or three projects that you named off might be cool, but after that, they'll go pure it'll self-implode again i just don't want to get my hopes up okay, to go i gotta that say implosion. i don't know that marvel it like marvel has a really good track record but where the marvel universe like the cinematic universe has been left off right now i do i don't have hopes for the continuous um i'll be honest i don't either no i think because it's so it's going to be so fractured right now i don't know that we're we have that same momentum ahead of us you can't judge Marvel right now is the problem because the pandemic threw off all their plans. I had this conversation on ATGN this Sunday, which is people were saying, oh, fandom's great. Marvel doesn't know what they're doing. Look, we've seen Marvel do similar events and things like this before. I'm not being a Marvel fanboy here, but what I'm saying is the coronavirus destroyed all of their plans. Everything was, hey, we're going to do Black Widow. And once Black Widow's done, we can pivot and start talking about the next phase of things is because Black Widow is not taking place in the current timeline. It takes place supposedly during Civil War. So Marvel can't really pivot yet because if they do, then they take attention away from Black Widow, which they want to be a success. And then they also don't want to be accused of ruining one of their female superhero movies when there aren't a ton of them. So they're kind of stuck in this holding pattern right now of we've got to wait for coronavirus to die down enough that we can actually release this in theaters because I don't think they're going to release it just digitally. And then after that, they can pivot and start getting into here's what phase, what is this, five of the MCU is and start teasing things they're in a bad position and they're just stuck where they are right now. I think yeah. we'll see a lot come out post black widow. It's just post black widow may not be until may 2021 at this point in time, even a year after they, the original, even if they replicated what they did with the infinity saga, they wouldn't tell us because they never told us from the beginning what infinity saga was. Mm -hmm. I mean, they honestly didn't know, but <laughs> that they were going to get to the end of the infinity, but they laid the groundwork from with, they laid the groundwork to the Infinity Saga with Iron Man on forward. I, I don't know, guys. I just I think both universes have different issues right now. But I, I will tell you, I am shying away from the DC stuff for a while. Even if 
there's rave reviews for a movie or so. I'm going to wait and see it at home anyway. I'm not going to go to the theater, so I don't yeah. know. I'm not this going to the theater anytime soon. No. I'll yeah. only admit that. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next news point here, which is not about comics. It's not about movies. It's about space. It is. So I ran across a space.com article by Nola Taylor Red. And it was about the first Dream Chaser, which is a Sierra Nevada Corporation capsule, cargo capsule. And it is the world's only non-capsule private orbital spacecraft because it's got wings. It's a winged vehicle, just like the space shuttle is. That will launch atop of a rocket, kind of like the space shuttle did. It will be atop the rocket, not mounted on the side of the rocket like the space shuttle was. And it will come back and land on a runway, just like the space shuttles used to do. Now, Sierra Nevada has announced the spacecraft's first operational Dream Chaser name, which is Tenacity. And that was earlier this spring. That's not really an announcement right now. But what it is, is an SUV for space, a space utility vehicle. Now, Tenacity is scheduled to launch for the first time sometime in late 2021 aboard a United Launch Alliance Vulcan Centaur rocket from NASA's Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Once it's up and running, the space plane will carry cargo to and from the space station for NASA. Dream Chaser's runway landings will allow for efficient retrieval and removal of scientific gear coming back to Earth from the International Space Station, which will also enjoy a relatively smooth ride down to the ground. So they'll be able to recover things a lot better than you would be in a capsule that lands on land or in the sea. Dream Chaser was originally designed to carry people. Sierra Nevada won several rounds of funding from Nationals com- NASA's commercial crew program to develop the vehicle. However, the company lost out to Boeing and SpaceX when NASA awarded the astronaut ferrying contracts in 2014. But in 2016, NASA went ahead and selected the Dream Chaser for its commercial resupply services to contract, and it has a six uncrewed cargo missions to the space station locked up by 2024. Sierra Nevada hasn't ruled out a crew carrying future for the space plane at some point, uh, quote, to quote some of the company's officials, to go back to a cruise ship wouldn't be so hard, unquote. Dream Chaser by itself can carry roughly 2,000 pounds of supplies and cargo on board. It also has a 16-foot-tall cargo module called Shooting Star that can be attached to the space plane to provide an additional 10,000 pounds of carrying capacity to orbit. However, it actually jettisons that on the way back down, kind of like you would with space junker trash coming down from the International Space Station and just burns up. So it's it's like a family trip when you've got the minivan stuff, right? And you put that cargo carrier on top and you go out to the campsite and on the way back, you just forget to, you know, screw the thing down so it blows off as you go down the highway. That's kind of what it does here. So eventually, Sierra Nevada would like to have more of these dream chasers to join Tenacity and traveling back and forth to space. However, expanding the number of operational space planes does depend on customer demand, which right now they just have the six flights. Well, I guess we'll see what sort of buzz comes around this because uh, SpaceX has done a great job of of getting buzz. And I think uh, Sierra Nevada needs to find a way to also create buzz. We, we like to have the buzz, especially with such a good name like Tennessee. Sure. 
Tent City, Tenna City, Tenacity. I said Tenna City. I know. I heard you. It could, you. Whatever you want to call it, go ahead. It's just the name. It's like Endeavor or Atlantis or Columbia uh, or um, Challenger for the space. You're just naming it. Like the SpaceX capsule was named Endeavor by the crew. Endeavor. What, however you want to pronounce it. Go ahead. I should have known that Stephen would find some way to uh, put his own unique twist a tenacious twist, some might argue, on tenacity. He's just jealous that there's no Canadian capsules in development. Well, I just got to say, like, this is the, the first tenacity, and I would need to get through at least three. And, you know, instead of using numbers, we should use letters. So I, I'm not good for tenacity A through C, but tenacious D I'm good with. What about one acidy <laughs> or two acidy? I mean, we talked about SN5 two weeks ago. SN6, as we speak, is looking at its first flight, uh, SpaceX. So this is the further development outside of SpaceX, which we've been talking about, that is occurring simultaneously with SpaceX. So there's just going to be a lot of options for both government and commercial to be able to ferry cargo and crew back and forth to low Earth orbit as things start to progress in the next five to 10 years. This is where we should have been in the 70s and then the early 80s with the space shuttle, and we weren't. So I'm really excited about this whole thing. We've got one more to talk about later on in this episode. All right, well, let's move on to the next thing here. I think we got actually pretty well-rounded news today. We're moving on. We went from movies over to space, and now we're going to talk about Chris's dongle. <sighs> what i want to talk about your dongle okay that that's fantastic so what we're going to talk about here is a new android tv device that is rumored to be coming soon you know somehow potentially beating the next generation of apple tvs to the market even though they've been supposedly sitting in warehouses for months now <laughs> processor <laughs> didn't say it so i would <laughs> that's awesome i'm glad it's catching on <laughs> So what's going on here is 9to5 Google has noted that two new Google hardware devices recently showed up in FCC filings. The theory is this is related to Google's newest Android TV product, which some information leaked out about a month or two ago on. So XDA developers also reported back in June that Google was preparing a TV dongle that they had codenamed Sabrina. This would use Android TV in a traditional remote-driven UI, unlike Chromecast devices right now, which you just fling content to and there is no remote to control separately of the new f excuse me one of the new fcc filings refers to quote an interactive media streaming device end quote with wi-fi and bluetooth and the other is for quote a wireless device end quote with bluetooth and a power cover so we have respectively here the new streaming device codenamed sabrina and its remote control so why is this interesting let's get into the let's talk about streaming boxes which we've talked about from time to time in android tv land right now there's not really a lot of good solutions for Android TV boxes. Right now, there's the high-end NVIDIA Shield, which starts at 149 Yes, Stephen? I, I would like to actually reword that. I would like to say, not only is there not a lot of good solutions, there is a lot of crap solutions on yes. that side of things, okay? You're not wrong. <laughs> so I'll, I'll mention three boxes here, which by all accounts are probably the best of what's available, but the NVIDIA Shield is the best of the best. I have one of those right now. I'm a convert to it. I really like it. There was also the $60 Xiaomi Mi Box S that came out a while ago. Google was promoting it at one point in time. 
And there is also the TiVo Stream 4K, which is a $50 box, which I have, and I've been checking in from time to time. I think it was really shaky at launch when it came to some of their bugs. I haven't talked about it a ton, but some of the stuff like HDR mode was always turned on. There was weird glitches where it would turn itself on, which would turn on your whole entertainment center. That was a problem. But when it comes to your Android TV boxes right now, your best choice is the NVIDIA Shield, which at a cost proposition is $149 for the tube version, which I would recommend not getting because it's only a 32-bit OS. Or there is the 64-bit uh, Pro version that's roughly $200, which is the better option because 64-bit architecture, you can also emulate a lot more games. So I mentioned I'm an adopter of the NVIDIA Shield. I really like Android TV, which is very surprising to me because five or six years ago, I had one of the Google Nexus players, which was one of the first Android TV devices they put out there. And to say it was not an enjoyable experience would be putting it charitably. I uh, got rid of it, sold it, traded it in, bought a Roku box to replace it. So I'm intrigued to see what Google does with their new Android TV to bo box. Excuse me. If they can launch a new device at a compelling price point, that's a win for them. Plus, it'll also be natively Google supported, get fresher updates, things like that. If you want my guess for what's going on here, we've kind of seen Chromecast sales fall back as people have started moving more towards Fire TVs and Rokus and other interfaces where you actually have an OS you're interacting with and you download apps and you don't have to use your cell phone to control it. My guess is this new Android TV device is probably the new Chromecast. It's their replacement for that. So I would not be shocked if we see it at roughly an equivalent price to the Chromecast, what is it, the HD one or whatever the $80 one is. My hope is they can move it down to a $50 price point. But regardless, it's nice to see this addition into the market. And it's nice to see that Google continues to be dedicated to doing something with Android TV besides just slapping it directly on Sony TVs where it's a painful and terrible experience. I agree. Um, I I don't fault Google for doing the Chromecast model when they did it, because when they created it, where it was like no interface, it was at a time where there was like a huge uptake in everybody switching to doing everything's on their phone. And I think it, it was it was a roll of the dice and it seemed like it was a logical step. If everybody's doing things on their phone and always has their phone on them, why give them another remote? But quickly with things with other things like Roku and even Fire Sticks and things like that. We saw that consumers still wanted that interface. They wanted to separate from their hand device, handheld device. They There's other reasons, things like kids and whatnot. And so I do think that it's time for the Chromecast to go. I think it is time for Google to have a good device that has the casting function in it because the Chromecast function is important for Android users. In fact, there are some Apple apps that even use the Chromecast function in it. And so... Um, I think so, that, that we need to have that feature baked into it, and I don't see why we wouldn't have it on an Android or on a device like that. Point of clarification, uh, castability has been baked into Android TV since it launched. You right. can cast anything that is Android TV capable. So okay. I don't foresee that going out the door. They've pre they turned Chromecast into what they call Google Cast, and then it was part of Android TV, right. but they were selling a separate device that was just for casting. It's typical Google branding and things like that that you get very confused. The other thing that I think is is actually a good example on where we're at with it is Fire TVs have like Fire Sticks have really picked up over the last few years. And there's a lot out there. And a lot of people, whether it's legal or not, are doing things that are because of the Android side of the Fire Stick. 
It's an affordable device, which is the first thing, but it's flexible for some of these people. There is a, a deals group that I, I am in on Facebook that they post deals. And I have seen some people using that Android type of side of things with the the various things that can be done with Android. And we'll leave it at that. And there's a lot of uptake on that and people wanting to really bend it. And I have to say, I've actually put, I've tried to put on, um, if you've looked, okay, we talked before about some of the streaming services in Canada and lack thereof. And one of the ones, they only have a app. They, they sell an individual Android TV box that you can get if you want to do that, or you can use this on, um, on an Apple TV. Those are the only two options of this. So I decided to sign up and try that and see, see how that was. And I, I actually loaded the uh, APK file, the app file for that service because I a legitimate, like a legal service that I was paying for, but I wanted to see if I could get it on the Fire Stick. And so I could do that with the Fire Stick because of the flexibility. It didn't work, but, but I, I still could try it. And so I think that the Android flexibility definitely could be an appeal for the right price. If they're out, out to lunch here, if they're even, I think, in the shield pricing, I think they're going to struggle to get any foothold in the market. That's how Amazon got into this uh, streaming market, this dongle market or whatever, was by having affordable devices. That's really the where the uptake was. My guess is it's probably going to be priced equivalently to the similar Roku and Fire TV products, if I had to guess. And of course, they also need to make sure they secure the the apps for the different streaming services. That, they already that have. Thing. They already okay. have. That's that's one of the things we're talking about in the chat room right now is like, we've been talking about the Roku contract disputes. Albert Sims even brought it up that he bought an NVIDIA Shield specifically because he couldn't get HBO Max and some of these other things. I, I haven't had any issue getting any apps on my NVIDIA Shield. He, Albert had mentioned he doesn't have the BritBox app on there, but for the most part, and this is what I didn't like about the uh, Android TV when I first tried it five years ago, was the app selection. The app selection seems to be there now because they've kind of made it easy to say, hey, if it works on Android phones, here's what you need to do to make it work for Android TV. And that's seemingly working now. And what do you, do we have any rumors on what the naming itself will be? Or did you say that and I missed that? There's no official name that's out yet. I would assume they're not going to continue with the Chromecast name or Google Cast name. It's probably going to be some kind of Android TV box name or something like that. I, I don't know. To differentiate themselves. We will forever call it Chris's dongle. Of course we will. SP, do you want to comment on Chris's dongle? No. No, I don't. It's safer that way. But as far as streaming boxes go, I know there are streaming functionalities in just about every single TV that you buy today. Some of the smaller ones don't have smart TV stuff, but the bigger ones do once you get beyond the 32 inch, most 32 inch TVs do. And then anything above that, most of the time there's some smart functionality within that. So you might say that's like one, I mean, we've all poo pooed it because it's longevity is questionable, so to speak during the lifetime of the TV, but it is one of them. The other thing is I try to have two offboard streaming devices to every single screen that I'm usually watching. Now, whether that's a set-top gaming box like a PlayStation or an Xbox or whether that's a streaming stick or a set-top box, whatever, I try to have two for every TV so that I can try to avoid the 
block out of apps like we're seeing right now with HBO Max and Roku because Roku, I've made no secret about it, has been my go-to in the house. But of course, without HBO Max, I wouldn't be able to watch certain things. Not that I'm on HBO all that much right now. Anyway, I'm not. But if other people in the house want to watch it or if there's some movie there or whatever, I'm paying for it with cable, might as well be able to stream it anywhere in the house. So that's one thing. Another thing with the streaming boxes that I think we need to take into account, you guys touched on it already, the universality of the streaming box of being able to load or sideload apps or whatever. My parents, and it's been a couple of years, but they started using the Tableau over-the-air DVR service, which then you can stream throughout your house for them using Fire TV sticks. I would imagine that anything that has Android on it would be able to eventually do that because of, you know, the the functionality and the programmability of it and the open architecture of it in comparison to everything else. So this might have definitely a more of a future than uh, I would give it legs to begin with. I have been very much chiding John Prosser, as we alluded to before, because he said earlier this year that the sixth generation Apple TV was coming out and it hasn't been out yet. And it's almost September. I would really enjoy that because I've transitioned to 4K and I want a 4K streaming box for that stuff. Uh, That's not the only one out there. I know it's very expensive and I know that most people try to keep their streaming sticks like 50 bucks or something like that. So again, all signs point to something like this being a better option long term. I have to say, I don't want it at the dirt cheap price point, though, because I feel like it will be slow, like the hardware won't be able to because the um, I argued forever with people who said, the Fire Stick Basic was good enough. They're like, oh, well, it's like half the price. You might as well just have it. It's good. It's fine. And then it was like you tried the 4K. Like I tried the Fire Stick 4K, not watching 4K content. I don't own a 4K screen. And it was way snappier. You weren't waiting for things to load. It was like a night and day difference. And then eventually those people actually tried it and saw what I meant. And so I just hope they don't cheapen out on the hardware. So one thing to consider when it comes to hardware on this, and it's an interesting point and part of why I went with an NVIDIA Shield is they are still supporting and updating the 2015, the first model of the NVIDIA Shield with the current versions of Android TV when it comes out. And it runs almost, it has all the same applications. It's pretty, it's close to being almost the same hardware as what is out now because, and then we sort of made fun of it collectively, the internet, when NVIDIA first announced the first Shield, which is, why would you put such powerful hardware in there? Well, we're seeing why now because in 2015, they put good hardware in there so that in 2020, if you bought that device, you can still be using it and have no problem. And much like you mentioned, Stephen, you can have a Roku stick. And after about two years, you're sitting there, you hit the button and you wait three seconds for your cursor to move on screen just because the bloat comes and catches up with these lower cost sticks. So what I'm curious to see is the price point Google puts on this because that kind of determines what the hardware spec is on this. Now we know in one of those dongles, you can put some beefy hardware because Amazon's 4K uh, Fire TV, not the stick, but whatever the pendant one is or whatever, is pretty powerful hardware that's in there. So I'm curious to see what it is. That's why I think it's going to be close to like the $80 or $100 price point, not the $50. But I'm not an industry expert. I'm just a dude that likes technology making a guess. I will say that I bought the original Fire TV stick when it first came out for some god low price like 10 or 15 dollars on sale at amazon or something like that and then when the 4k stick came out i got that on sale as well for like 25 bucks 
So it was a relatively cheap upgrade. It was phenomenal performance upgrade. I still have both, but I don't, I, I use the original stick on a TV that I use once it's in a guest room. So whatever staying in the guest room, they tend to have that slow stick, but I've used the bigger stick you know, on a 720 TV, actually, just because of the speed. Mm-hmm. So question, something to be said for that. Question for you. Uh, which of your dongles are bigger? Chris, how big is your dongle? How big is SP's dongle? I've not measured my streaming devices. I'm sorry, Stephen. It's not the size of the dongle. It's the length of the cord on the dongle. That's really <sighs> fair enough. All right, well, let's move on to the next news point here. Now, this is our 343rd episode of the official geek.com show. And I don't know if you know this, but it's a tradition for a podcast. On the 343rd episode of your podcast, you have to look back at the beginning of your podcast, where you came from. It's a tradition. And so I want to look back and remember the time that we Wait had on here. Time, time out. What? Chris, you've had over 400 episodes of ATGN, right? 415 or 16, yeah. When you were at 343, did you do this look back thing? You think I have that kind of self-awareness? <laughs> right. So I just did 343 about a month ago with Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. I did not do a look back I'm then sorry, either. I'm just saying. I don't know what you guys you guys missed out. It's, it's, it's a time-honored tradition on your 343rd episode to look back at the beginning of your podcast. And I want to look back to the beginning when we had on here a host named John D. And he had... He had a favorite expression to say, and it's Ben Affleck is Batman. That's what he would say. And so today I want to honor him with some Ben Affleck news in the, this time on tradition of looking back on your podcast during the 343rd episode. Uh, so let's look at Batfleck here because the news came out just when you thought that Batfleck was done. No, that's not the case because in the upcoming movie, The Flash, we are going to see some more Batfleck. Yes, it was announced previously that we would be getting none other than Michael Keaton coming back to the role as uh, perhaps Bruce Wayne, maybe Batman. We don't know yet uh, in The Flash. And we figured that our days of Batfleck was behind us. Well, that's not the case because they are going to be returning to the screen, the Ben Affleck Batman, and they're apparently using it as a little bit of a springboard in this Flash movie, which does sound like it's actually going to happen for once. Quote, he's a very substantial part of the emotional impact of the movie. The interaction and relationship between Barry and Affleck's Wayne will bring an emotional level that we haven't seen before. That was from uh, the director of uh, The Flash. Which one? The the current one. Is that the emotion of Ben Affleck being the last time he gets to don the cape on screen? Probably. I think this is how how we're going to erase him from from the universe. Yeah. How much money did they throw at him? Because he seemed pretty done. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure, but they did say that he reviewed the script and was willing to come back. I, Look, I don't I, know what size check they had attached to that script, but there was probably something stapled on the top. I'm not anti-Ben Affleck. I, I thought he was all right as Batman. He's not my favorite Batman, but he's not my least favorite Batman either. I thought he brought an interesting physicality to the role. So good on him if he wants to come back and do one more gig with it. I still don't believe this movie's happening. We're like, what, seven directors yeah. deep now? Been pushed back how many years? Oh, yeah. And Ezra Miller's potentially in legal trouble for assaulting a fan. 
Um, I don't believe this is coming anytime soon. <laughs> well, if it is, uh, another quote from the director, Andy uh, Muschietti, did say he's the baseline. He's the part of the unaltered state before we jump into Barry's adventure, end quote. So I, I I don't know. I think it's going to happen at this point. I think that we're we're actually moving along with it this time, but uh, I'm prepared for it not to happen. <laughs> Since it's recasting everybody, you think they're going to recast Ezra as Grant Gustin? <laughs> no, I don't think they're going to do that, but... Uh, you might end up seeing Ezra it's, Miller get replaced. It, it's DC. Who knows? I don't think they will do that until they're done milking the Flash TV series. Look, we got three Batman that are being talked about at the same time. I, you've got Ben Affleck. You've got uh, Dazzly Vampire Dude. Okay, that's Bobby. not fair. It's true. It's not fair. He's done more than just vampires. All right. Well, he was a sparkly vampire at one point. <laughs> and then you've got the return of Michael Key. I mean, come on. What the heck's going on over there at, at DC? Uh, this is why even without the pandemic, I wouldn't be going to see these movies in the theater. I'll say it right now. I will say it right now that uh, based off what we've seen, Pattinson looks to be the darkest of Batman that we've seen in, in 20 plus years. Which I wouldn't care for. I don't like the dark Batman. Well, then I hate the not, Nolan. You have not seen the trailer. Well, so, okay, no. here's an important thing to consider. Two, two notes when it comes to Pattinson, Batman. Pattinson, really good actor. Just to call him the Twilight Sparkly Vampire dude. He's done a lot since then, and he's even crapped all over those movies, too. He got paid for them. That's, that's he was why. Fine. I mean, he but, was it. Yeah, I can yeah. say sparkly vampire guy because he was. That, that's the low-hanging fruit the internet keeps beating up on beating up on him about. And when this was first announced, like, oh, vampire, dude. What the hell? Where I'm really intrigued, I don't know that this is going to be the darkest Batman movie that Matt Reeves is doing, but more importantly, it's a detective movie. This is the first time we're going to see Batman be a detective on screen. Yes, it looks like there's going to be physicality and things like there like that in this movie, but Matt Reeves has said it's a detective movie. He's matching wits with the Riddler in this. It's going to be it's going to play with our brains and we're going to be guessing what's going on. I'm totally on board with that. That sounds like a ton of fun and I think Pattinson's going to be really good because he's a good actor. But yes, I can't. To, to your point though about the third Batman, you are entirely right SB because they have made it clear that Although he's not in this, although we have two other Batman in this, uh, he, the Pattinson Batman continues to be the future of the DC Universe Batman, apparently. Now, I've just crapped all over DC quite a bit this, uh, this whole episode. I will retract one thing. I said DC had casting problems. Gal Gadot, which I know a lot of people had issues with when the casting came out. I think she played a phenomenal Wonder Woman. So... Congratulations, DC, on getting at least something right. Oh, and Jared Leto. I'm laughing on. For, for the audio listener. I'm laughing. Jason, all right, Jason Momoa is awesome on their take of Aquaman. Oh, I enjoy yeah. him a lot. Okay, that so role. that's two. That's and two. Henry Although, Cavill is fantastic. His Superman is not good, but that's not Henry Cavill's fault. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, let me ask you this while we're going on the casting. Let's just list them all off. Do you think that Margot Robbie was, was a bad Harley Quinn? No. I didn't think so. I thought it, uh, she was a good, good. Harley she was about she, the only she good was thing the, about that movie. Yeah, yeah, she's the best part about Suicide. Although she's been in another one now too, right? Yes, and will be oh, in the yes. new Suicide Squad movie also. I have not Bird, seen Birds the, of Prey, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not seen that. I didn't yeah. see that either. I should probably watch that at some point since you know 
There's nothing on. Uh, all right. So anyways, Batfleck's back, apparently. And uh, Ben Affleck is Batman. And there you go. We've done our 300. You and... didn't have the bump? No, I didn't. But we did We did our 343rd <laughs> episode honor to the look back at our podcast. That is that is a tradition. Uh, let's go. And I know, SP, you like to mock me, but let's talk about mock up. Sure, I love mock-ups being, you know, a rocket scientist. I love mock-ups because that means cool hardware is in development. And that's what my news stories have been all this episode is to say there's other things going on other than SpaceX with Starship and Dragon. So Blue Origin, who that's owned by Jeff Bezos, by the way, it's leading this quote-unquote national team which is dealing with a moon lander. I know I've alluded to it before, but there's some exciting new stuff coming out. So within the last week, Mike Wallover at space.com published an, an article on this, and I wanted to bring everybody up to speed on it. So the national team has delivered to NASA's Johnson Space Center in Houston, a which is probably going to get wrecked by the hurricane coming in. But anyway, a full-scale engineering mock-up of its lunar lander, and that delivery took place on August 20th. The newly delivered mock-up stands about 40 feet tall, showcases the ascent and descent elements of the lander, and it will remain at Johnson Space Center through early 2021. The descent stage is based on Blue Origin's Blue Moon robotic lunar lander, which is also in development. The ascent stage leverages much of the technology used by NASA's Orion crew capsule, which is Lockheed Martin's. Testing this engineering mock-up for a crew interaction is a step towards making this historic mission real, quote-unquote. That was from Brent Sherwood, who is Blue Origin's vice president of advanced development programs. Quote, the learning we get from the mock-ups can't be done any other way. Benefiting from NASA's expertise and feedback at this early stage allows us to develop a safe commercial system that meets the agency's needs, unquote. Again, from Brent Sherwood. So the national team consists of Blue Origin, Lockheed Martin, mentioned both of those before, Northrop Grumman, and Draper. For those of you that don't know Draper, I'm very familiar with them. They were involved in the Apollo program, did a lot of guidance back then. And they also sponsor a lot of Nova episodes around PBS. So go watch some Nova. Hmm. The companies are developing a landing system with three separate pieces, a descent element to carry the astronauts to the lunar surface, an ascent element to launch them off the moon, and a transfer element, which is a propulsive stage that sends the descent element from lunar orbit down towards the moon. The, the transfer stage has considerable heritage as well, by the way. It's based on Northrop Grumman's robotic Cygnus freighter, which has been the ferrying cargo to the International Space Station for NASA since 2013. Dianetics is developing a two-stage landing system, and SpaceX proposes to use its Starship Mars colonization system for the Artemis work, so they are both in contention for a lunar lander as well, in addition to the national team. But it's really cool. We're starting to get lunar lander hardware in development, actual hardware at NASA now, preparing for that 2024 trip. That's awesome. I, I hope they post a whole bunch of like digital tours and stuff of it. I would love to get like 3D shots inside the lander and things like that, just so that we as the as the internet consuming public can be like, oh my God, this is so cool. Because they did a ton of that with like the SpaceX 
Crew Dragon and things like that. So I'm sure we'll be getting things like that. And I can't wait to digitally sit in the lander and be like, oh, what does all this do? I have no clue, but it looks really cool. I got to say, I know a guy who's into 360 photography right now, and he's been doing some good <laughs> shots. Uh, but he's on Mars. Oh, that's we true. We can't get he him has. home that quick. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Unless you yeah. got a Stargate. As far as the digital mock-ups, a lot of that stuff in the in the um, commercialization, the promotion, that sort of stuff, that was done by SpaceX itself. It had a promotion, a marketing budget. NASA has not done a lot of that stuff out of its own. Blue Origin, to this point, and for a big extent, Lockheed Martin and Boeing, they've really not been in the public space as much as SpaceX has. And I hope that this mock-up will get Blue Origin more into the public spotlight. They haven't had the phenomenal self-landing boosters and fairy-catching fairing catching, um, uh, big nets on ships out in the sea, that sort of stuff. They haven't had that technology excitement that SpaceX has. So they've really, SpaceX has really been able to jump off of all these successes uh, they they decided to not to show some failures at the start, but now they're like, let's not hide it. Let's get let's get into this. Let's get the public into this. So they know that the public is outside of Boca Chica that are watching all of these Starship modules, you know, go up and come back down. And they're they're just loving all the free publicity. I mean, people are camping out watching streaming this these places 24 7 i hope that blue origin has learned something from this and i i know that they would prefer not to be as public as spacex for a lot of different reasons but they got to get in the game this is now the 21st century with social media let's get the public into it and let's really excite them because i mean we're talking about the dream chaser before right guys and the fact that dream chaser only has six flights on contract well you get the public excited about it and it, all of a sudden it's the new space shuttle oh no you can't retire the dream chaser we need more dream dream chaser flights you know that sort of thing so do you say they're bringing back the space shuttle that's pretty big news the dream chaser lands like the space shuttle, which I said before about 20 minutes ago, you, you have that whole sparkly vampire thing in between here and there. <laughs> oh, there you go. There's the lo low hanging fruit, almost as low hanging as Chris's dongle. All right, well, let's go on to the last news point here, which is more DC news. See, I told you, I told you the event worked. It worked. You told me that there was a new game that you were interested in and it's called Chris Watches the Suicide Squad. You play as somebody who watches Chris. Oh, sure. Watches Chris yeah, James watches Gunn's Suicide Squad. No, the original. Oh. Yeah. So, so this game is where you go and you watch Chris watching well, the Suicide one, Squad. One of these games is about Suicide Squad, but I'm not going to lead with that. There, right. there were two games that we were hoping to hear about coming out of DC fandom. There have been a lot of rumors. So we're going to talk about both of them. The first one is called Gotham Knights. This is produced by Warner Brothers Games Montreal, a new game set in the Batman world, debuted at DC Comics Fandom event. And if you're scratching your head going, Warner Brothers Games Montreal, where have I heard that name before? Well, in 2013, they did the Batman Arkham Origins game, which, while I don't think was as good as Rocksteady's Arkham games, was still a very good game. They just never fixed any of the bugs in it because that was too expensive. I'll reserve my comments for later on that. 
So Gotham Knights, before we get into the background of the game, they did announce it will be coming out in 2021 for PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC. But what they also reported, and I had to go and fact check it a few different places, is it will also be coming out for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. So it will play on the current generation of consoles, and it will be playable on the next generation of consoles, which I think is an interesting thing to be looking at, especially as people are trying to decide whether they should make the leap to these next-gen consoles. This does not force you to make that leap, which I think is kind of cool. And does it play on both Xbox Ones? Like one S yes. and one S? Yeah. The Xbox One family of devices. Okay, good. So what's the background of this game? Well, there was a trailer they released, plus also seven minutes of gameplay footage. And basically what's going on is Batman's dead. Batgirl, Nightwing, Red Hood, and Robin rise up to be the protectors of Gotham City. With Batman gone, a brand new, expansive criminal underworld has swept through the streets of Gotham. From the trailer, we see you have to interact with Mr. Freeze. And for the last minute and a half, they bring in a group you might be familiar with from your time in the fanboy buzz, inspired by Scott Snyder, the comic book writer. The Court of Owls comes into play and is behind the scenes pulling the strings in Gotham City. So this is... Batman's team that is left over facing the Court of Owls, which if you haven't read it yet, the Court of Owls series of books that Scott Snyder did was super cool in the Batman books. And Scott Snyder was brought out to the studio for like a week where they peppered him with ideas. said, here's what we want to do with this. And he was giving them feedback on what they should do. I am really excited. The Court of Owls is something new. It's something from the last 10 years of the character. And it's something fresh and it's going to be really fun, but it also gives them a way to bring Batman back to life. By the way, they also integrated the Court of Owls into the rebirth of the Arrow comics as well. Oh, did they? Oh, that's yeah. right. Uh. Yeah. So Court of Owls has become a big time thing in the DC world. And this is all from Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's run on Batman, which is one of the best runs of comics I've read because it's an art and a, art and a writer, excuse me, artist and writer that are just like this. They're in lockstep on everything. And it looks beautiful. The story is generally pretty fantastic. And I can't wait to see how it gets pulled into a game. I'm what looking, is also, I'm looking forward sorry. to this because my son's getting a little bit older. Maybe we'll give him a little more violent games. And I look forward to both of us sitting down and playing it together as two person together on the same television. Well, maybe. So they did announce that it is one to two player co-op supported, but it will not be split screen support, meaning everyone has to be on their own console. Mm. All right. Well, he he can get the Xbox one S. Yeah, give him the old Xbox and buy a new one and you guys can play together. No, no I, mm. I, I hate this. I hate that split screen is like acceptably not a thing anymore. How would you do it anymore, though? Um, All these things, the pixels they're pushing and things like that. I'd I don't think it's plausible in any of the devices. I had problems playing split screen with the kids on Halo, so I can Mm kind of get it. But I'd always envision getting two of like the same size TVs like side by side and being able to do it that way. Yeah. That'd be fun. I'm not in agreement that it's it's okay to get rid of split screen. I'm not. I I don't agree. It's not technically possible really anymore, Stephen. 
Sure it is. The way these games are. Sure it is. Yeah, and then people are going to complain because this looks like garbage when I play with my buddy. Right? Because that's the decision we made. That's the decision that we made is that things need to be prettier. Prettier is more important than gameplay. That's that's the decision we made. Yeah, but if it looks like garbage, your gameplay is going to be garbage and you're going to have frame rate drops and it's going to run slow. But it only looks like garbage because we decided we would rather put that towards prettiness rather than gameplay. I, you and I are going to have to agree to disagree on this one. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll put that on the very long list. <laughs> so Gotham Knights coming out in 2021. What was also announced, one that fans have been speculating because they all went, man, what is Rocksteady working on? If you're not familiar, Rocksteady is the developers that did Batman, Arkham City, Arkham Asylum, and Arkham Knight, a three-game a three series that arguably reinvented Batman, made a Batman video game work for the first time in probably 15 years and since 2015's Arkham Knight came out, all we've heard is just rumblings that, hey, they're working on another DC property. We didn't know what it was. There was rumors that involved the Justice League. At one point in time, it was thought to be a Superman game. But no, what was announced just with a cinematic trailer at DC Fandom is Rocksteady is doing Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League. That is the full title. This game launches in 2022. That's why we only got a cinematic trailer at this point in time. Available on PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC. So what we learned in the cinematic trailer, we see that Brainiac has taken over Metropolis. The Suicide Squad, consisting of King Shark, Harley Quinn, Deadshot, and Captain Boomerang, were sent by Amanda Waller to go and defeat some targets. We're not told who they are in the game. Given Metropolis's current disarray, we see Brainiac robots and stuff going around. And they say, target one has been found. And you see a helicopter start to crash and go out of control. It blows up and you see Superman in the distance having saved the helicopter pilot. And they're going, well, who's target number one? And the camera zooms in on Superman and you see his heat vision start to go. And he turns his eyes and he burns up the helicopter pilot that he's holding in his hands. And we finally see he's got like some kind of brainiac tech that is in his eyes, something like that. You see the purple brainiac tech displayed there so he is mind controlled by brainiac and it pretty much comes out there that the suicide squad has to take out the justice league who have all been infected with some kind of brainiac technology that has pretty much made them his slaves what is really cool about this that they announced after the trailer dropped is this game takes place in the same universe as the arkham games that they've done with batman already and if you played those batman games spoiler alert for a game that came out in 2015 the end game is Bruce Wayne, his identity as Batman gets outed and he basically does one last mission and then he is gone as Batman. So probably no Batman in this movie, or excuse me, game as we go forward. They did also announce that Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League will be a four-player co-op shooter. You can play with friends or with the AI. If you do play with AI, you'll be able to switch between characters as you are playing. They didn't state whether it's a first or third person shooter, but they did say all characters will also have melee capabilities in addition to being able to shoot. This is intriguing. Rocksteady has not let me down, and I want to see what they can do with a game that features so many different characters and superhero characters from the DC universe. I'm reasonably confident it should be good, seeing as it's all they've been working on for the last seven years, it looks like. Or excuse me, five years, and it'll be seven years by the time it comes out in 2022. We got a long ways to go but it sounds promising and Rocksteady has history of being good. Is there like a superpower that can be invoked, like a special one 
in the game that you just say Martha to another player <laughs> and then you you're able to band together and then beat the big bad just by saying Martha is, is that part of the game well it'd be tough because Superman's mind controlled and Batman is technically dead it doesn't no it doesn't have to be those two any of them any character it's it's the Martha superpower well, it's you know, not Zack Snyder that did this game so probably not I uh I earlier in the show talked about that movie, Batman versus Superman. That's where that's from. That's what you're referencing. I legitimately forgot about that while we were talking about that. So I I dislike you're you welcome. strongly right now, SP, because I forgot about that terrible Martha. moment. Save Martha. Uh, terrible. Uh, okay, so obviously Rocksteady, this is what Rocksteady is doing. What's Bebop up to? Presumably, he's still fighting Ninja Turtles. <laughs> uh, this does look pretty good, actually. I saw saw the, I guess it was trailer. I guess that's what you'd call it. Yeah, or, it was a cinematic trailer. Yeah, it, it, looked, it looks fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to this, especially because uh, Suicide Squad's going to kill the Justice League. And as we all know, we want to see the Justice League dead after this past run. Sure. <laughs> sure. What, Whatever you, you don't want to see after this this crapsville that's been the last five years of DC, you don't want to see the Justice League die a horrible, painful death. I just You're wish they about move the on. film. Just I don't care at this point. <laughs> Anything in DC? Yeah, yeah I, I don't know if I want to see him die. I just don't want to watch it because <laughs> I don't want to get suckered into something that's going to piss me off. Fair enough. Well, thanks for updating us on that, Chris Farrell. We look forward to you doing an unboxing of this. Because didn't you do an unboxing of the Arkham game way, way back when? Arkham Knight, when I got the collector's edition, I did do an unboxing of because it comes with a giant statue of Batman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you got you to do an unboxing of this. But I probably won't buy the collector's edition, so it'll be a pretty boring unboxing. <laughs> Here's the game, guys. Woo! <laughs> But what if I buy it digitally? How do I unbox it then? Well, you figure that out. That's your. Oh, that's crap. on you. You watch yourself buying it, you know, on mm. Twitch or something. I don't know. How'd you so do Steven, that? How'd you stream if, that? If you want me to do that as content for Gunna Geek, are you going to buy it for me? <laughs> All right, that's going to take us to the end of the Try show. Before bucks. we wrap up. Just want to take a moment and thank Chris and SB for coming back this week. I know that every time we take a week off, it gives you a moment of reflection and, and lots of time for you to consider, why do I keep doing this show with Steven? And then uh, you come back for some reason. So thank you very much. I'm a masochist. What can I say? <laughs> I did honestly think tonight, do I really want to do the podcast? Uh, <laughs> Chris is waiting for me. <laughs> Chris and his dongle. <laughs> Chris, is there anything that you would like to plug or promote? I'd like to plug my dongle into the TV so I can watch content. What are you talking about? <sighs> anything no, that in all seriousness, I do have something to plug and promote. On uh, yesterday, as we record this live, All Things Good and Nerdy, the most recent episode, we had one of our favorite guests back on again. It's David Popose who has been on to talk about his Spencer and Locke run of comics, his going to the chapel run. Well, he just started a Kickstarter for his Project OZ, or excuse me, The OZ on Kickstarter, which is his story that takes place after the land of Oz has been liberated, Dorothy leaves, and in the intervening 25, 30 years since she's been gone, I think it might be close to 50, I'm probably screwing up his pitch here, I apologize. Um, 
there's been a regime change. And then Dorothy Gale's granddaughter, who herself was an Iraqi war veteran, goes to the occupied zone, which is what Oz is now, and has to deal with the repercussions of what happened for the liberation of the land of Oz. It looks really cool. He's doing a Kickstarter for issue one right now, 44-page jumbo-sized edition. It got funded in two hours, which was awesome. So now they're up to stretch goals. David's been an awesome guest in the past. I think this was his fourth appearance. Coming to talk about his different comic projects he's been working on. If this sounds like something interesting and I didn't butcher the premise too badly, folks, go check out the most recent episode of the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast. It's available on the Gunna Geek website and on the Gunna Geek YouTube channel. The first hour of this last episode is just us chatting with David about what this comic is, his other comic projects and things that have been going on. He's been really good to come and visit us so many times. So I'd really encourage you guys to go check out the OZ comic. You guys wore him out. He had to go get coffee. (laughs) <laughs> talking to you guys he's like oh i'm just dr- my gosh this is so, so strenuous i need he, some coffee he's been really kind to us for because he lives in los angeles and we record live at 11 a.m eastern on sundays which is 8 a.m eastern oh is in it? los angeles is it and he oh. got up a little early so that he could chat with us before and make sure the technical difficulties weren't had so he'd been up a bit earlier than he would like after he's been Working hard on the social media, making sure he acknowledges everyone who's been talking about the project and backed it and funded it. David's a really good guy. This is a really cool project. I really think you guys should go check it out. I have to admit that uh, nothing against him, but uh, I'm slightly disappointed because I thought you said this was called The O.C. Uh, I was looking forward to a spinoff from the television show. Same here, by the way. I've never seen this show. I've never seen the OC either. I just needed to do other low hanging fruit. Mm. Uh, no, seriously though, you should check this out. Uh, every time, every time he's been on, it's been a fantastic episode. So uh, I definitely check that out on all things good and nerdy, nerdy, wherever you get your podcasts. And David's one of those good interviewers where you just have to ask a couple questions and he's a comic book writer. So then he can just wax poetic about all sorts of stuff. And it just lends itself to be like, I don't have to have a full script of questions. He's going to say something I'm going to be curious about. We'll just go from there. (laughs) That's a hallmark of a good interviewer anyway, Chris. (laughs) All right. SP, is there anything that you would like to plug or promote or maybe announce a new uh, revision, revitalization, uh, restoration, reboot? Of the OC television series. No, I don't want to do that. However, I do want to announce the uh, the, the new generation of better podcasting, you know, without mm. Steven this yeah, time. Yeah. So, you know, that'll be good. No, <laughs> what I want to talk about, and I think we alluded to it at the end of the last show, was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ended. And it's been a couple of weeks since we recorded one of these shows. So there's been a couple of episodes out of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode 345, which was about the finale of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It was a supersized, almost two-hour episode. So we talked all about the show, the finale, and our thoughts about the series. And that was all four of us. So you can get that at legendsofshield.com. We also, in the latest episode, episode 346, we started out with our plans for the future of the podcast. So if you are a Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan, you haven't had a chance to check that out at the beginning of episode 346 is when we talk about the future of the show. So kind of a bang bang right there. Uh, We didn't want to put the future of the show at the end of the finale because first of all, it was a long episode. Second of all, we just wanted to stand on its own. So there you go. Those are the two episodes. And uh, thank you very much to everybody that has 
listened, downloaded, and watched Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. throughout the last seven years. That was a good finale. A good finale on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I enjoyed it. A lot of people are equating it to the handful of top, like top five finales of all shows out there. And it's just because of the setup that went into it. So I don't think it could beat all good things from Star Trek Next Generation. So I don't think it's the best, but it was definitely really good. I think it left us satisfied. I personally don't know that I would put it in a top one because a top finale to me is a payoff of an entire series. This was kind of that. I don't think that it was. I, I don't know that I agree that it mm-hmm. was. I think that it was a payoff right. for the season um, and and a little bit of a a good good feeling. Good feels to be had. Well, like Chris said earlier, we'll just have to agree to disagree on this. Sounds good. And hey, one last plug for you. Uh, SP said he's going to try to kick me off Better Podcasting. But before he do does that, please check out uh, Better Podcasting if you are into anything streaming related. Because we gave our first thoughts on the most recent episode of Better Podcasting on what we're using actually to record this show. OBS Ninja. So we briefly talked a little bit about that. We gave Suncast. The shout out that he deserves for bringing your attention to it in a group chat that uh, actually the four of us have, uh, us three here in Suncast. He uh, told us all about it. Uh, We were very quick to check it out. I know we did a lot of tests between a bunch of us. And uh, yeah, uh, if you want to check that out, it's episode 232 in the download section as well on betterpodcasting.com. Soon there'll be a little bit of a quick video walkthrough about it. Um, I ran out of time on my vacation. I had other things going on. I was lazy, part of it too. So uh, if you want to check a little bit out about that and you are a more technical person and you are into like live streaming or even just looking for a kind of method that you can connect with people, uh, that seems to be pretty good. Uh, You can check that out, but you got to be a little bit more technical to use it. It's not meant for Joe Average by any means. And it is a pet project, but yeah. What about Joe Exotic? It uh, could be for Joe Exotic. I don't know his technical uh, skills, but I'm not sure he might pay somebody. Fair. However, let's wrap it up on for episode 343 of the official GunnaGeek.com show. I'm Stephen Jonger saying, Wing, I remembered you. These two didn't. MSP saying, check out my new show, Modern Podcasting. At, you can find it at modernpodcasting.com. <laughs> I'm Chris Farrell. Who the hell is John D? (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for checking out another episode of the official gunageek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.